0: Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com.
1: Our listeners can save 10% off of all Ticket King's already low prices on Packers tickets by using the code pt 10 when they order at theticketking.com, offer expires August thirty first. Again, that is PT ten. That's the code you want to enter at checkout to get ten percent off your Packers tickets.
0: You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk.
1: .com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers. Gil is the host of Locked On NHL, and he writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Green Bay football got back to its winning form Sunday Night Football over the hapless Chicago Bears. Gil, I feel like we did a pretty good job uh, breaking down how this game would go. Um, It it really was a get-right game for the Packers. Uh, The Bears kind of couldn't do anything right uh, aside from their opening drive and then that one drive uh, that ended on the one-inch line, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Outside of that, they couldn't do anything. The Packers' defense did look pretty good. I have some major concerns about the tackling. I think the tackling is really atrocious, uh, which is a big concern since that was kind of the biggest thing that made them special last year. But, I mean, we got darn close to uh, predicting the, the final score almost exactly. The funny thing is, of course, So uh, I said 24-7. You said 24-10. I think that score at halftime is 24-7. And then the final score was 27-10. So, you know, it looked like the Packers were really trying to give it to you there. And then, unfortunately, uh, they did uh, decide to salt it away with one more field goal there that uh, just ruined your, your little prediction. But, I mean, come on. That's pretty good.
0: Uh, I was very, very close, very, very close. Uh, by the way, just uh, some breaking news as we speak: uh, Travis Fulgham resigned to the Packers practice squad, and safety Mike Brown released from the practice squad. But why? But uh, why? because we have four receivers on the injury list right now. Yeah, uh, so I, I, I...
1: I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't get the Travis Fulgham thing. I never have. Well, somebody likes him. <laughs> all right so the Packers injury list is um it's it's getting a little bit worse than it was for sure but the Buccaneers are kind of in the disaster territory that the, the Packers pretty much lived in last year you got uh you're down to like your fourth and fifth string offensive tackles basically and then no wide receivers to speak of so I guess this is a good place to start. Let's look at the injury report for the Packers. Uh, Randall Cobb has an illness.
0: Uh, So does Mason Crosby now.
1: Uh, He's not on my list. Well, I I have the updated list
0: for Thursday. Hmm, I'm looking at Packers.com. What are you looking at? Packers.com. The Thursday list. Yours says Mason Crosby. Mason Crosby illness did not practice. Randall Cobb illness did not practice. Those are the two illnesses.
1: That's bizarre because I'm looking packers. dot com slash team slash injury report, well, and you, I even refreshed. It's, it if says Packers.
0: dot just the the homepage. the The injury report for September twenty second is the top headline, or at least it was when I was there two minutes ago.
1: Two well, you know, two minutes ago that's that's old news, Gil. <laughs> OK, so I got this pulled up. Uh, it's a little different format, and I do see Mason Crosby on here. It's funny that their website contradicts itself. Uh, yeah, they both. They both do list the Thursday report on both pages. But That's all right, weird. we have we have the full thing. Uh, Christian Watson, there's a hamstring injury. So is Sammy Watkins. Don't like to see that. Of course, Alan Lazard still dealing with that tender ankle. He was li- listed as limited for Wednesday uh none of the guys we just mentioned practiced on Thursday. Uh yeah, none of them. Uh Elton Jenkins, limited. Still obviously his knee. Kenny Clark has a groin injury, was not listed Wednesday.
0: Now he was listed as limited. So Yeah, the one that scares me a little bit though, if you go further down the list, Mercedes Lewis groin injury did not practice on mm-hmm. Thursday. And boy, do we need him for blocking purposes, especially in this game.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think Thursday is usually his veteran rest day. Uh, so I would guess that even if he was fully healthy, he still would not have practice today. But the fact that he has the groin injury right. that had him limited on Wednesday, uh, I think is why he is listed on the injury report here at all. Uh, Buccaneers, let's see. Cornerback Carlton Davis uh, was upgraded to full participation on Thursday. Uh, Leonard Fournette still limited with a hamstring injury. Wide receivers: Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, uh, Julio Jones, Scotty Miller, Rashad Perriman. Basically, their entire receiving corps are yeah. all listed on here, except uh, for
0: Cole but, Beasley, who they just signed. I'm
1: shaking in my in my uh, <laughs> flip flops here. Scotty Miller, full participant. Um, I, th- I think he has the nickname of like the Packers killer or something. Yeah,
0: but. yeah, he he has done us some damage, especially in that NFC championship game a couple of years ago.
1: And of course, uh, I don't know if we already said it, but Mike Evans won't be playing because he was suspended for one week. You look at the offensive line. I think this is where it gets really interesting. Robert Haynesy, the center uh, was upgraded full participation. Uh, he's got a knee injury, but he's their backup center. Um, And uh, they put, let's see here. Uh, Donovan Smith tackle. Uh, got put on, uh, or it, he was downgraded to limited, but they put their backup tackle on IR and I'm, I'm pulling up his, his name here. Cause I already forgot his name. Uh, do you remember his name off the top of your head? No, uh, Josh yeah. Wells. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah. and he was already there, I think third string uh, offensive tackle. So there, Here's here's the takeaway. If you look at all of the injuries that the Buccaneers have going for them here, if the Packers can't eke out a win here. And by the way, I think it should be a uh, a pretty substantial win, but if they can't win out of it, they can't get a victory at all. I think that that spells major concern for the rest of the season, because this is as vulnerable as you're ever going to find the Bucs. And yes, the Bucks are one of the top contenders in the <laughs> NFC. But, I mean, you're, you're probably going to have to go through them again in the playoffs when they're much healthier, you right. would imagine, just because it's hard to be less healthy than they are right now. Uh, and so if you can't beat them when they're weak, I have concerns about beating them again later uh, at full strength. So, yeah, Josh Wells, he was put on IR that. Sounds like that means Fred Johnson is going to be a starting tackle against the Packers. Wow. Um, and that, that news kind of flew under the radar a little bit because, uh, Akeem Hicks got hurt mm-hmm. and everybody knows Akeem Hicks, but I think the Josh Wells, uh, info is, is a lot bigger, but Akeem Hicks is expected to miss four games here. Um, also running back Giovanni Bernard placed on injured reserve. I think Gio is, uh, Pretty decent running back. I think he's actually really comparable to Leonard Fournette. Who's not, not a running back I've ever had a lot of concern or of uh, respect for. But obviously, he's been productive with Tampa,
0: and uh, especially against Green point. Bay.
1: I mean, everybody who wears a Tampa uniform has been productive against Green Bay. <laughs> yeah. The name of the game this week is going to be beating the defense because the defense is still largely at full strength. Yes, Akeem Hicks is out. Yes, Carlton Davis uh, limited in practice, but. This is a, a lethal defense somehow really has has uh, taken another step forward. Uh, I think that last year they were not quite as good as they were in 2020. So far this year, they seem to have uh, risen back up to the top of the pack. And you, if you look at uh, overall defense, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers virtually tied for second place uh, with the 49ers in terms of the best overall Uh, Defensive grades on PFF, and of course, uh, week two. um, Anybody who's playing fantasy football noticed uh, the monster score that the Buccaneers' defense was able to rack up against the New Orleans Saints. It was like twenty-five fantasy points. Yeah, Uh, and of of course, I happened to be going up against them, and then I lost by like
0: (laughs) ten points. I'm sorry to hear that. Look, the Buccaneers defense right now, first in the league in points allowed per game, only six and a half, fifth a half. Fifth in total yards per game. Eighth in yards allowed per game. Uh, passing ninth against the run. They lead the league with 10 sacks through two games, and they've already intercepted four passes in two games. That places them fourth in the league. Those are some pretty impressive numbers, even if neither the saints nor the, for more than half the game, the Dak Prescott list Cowboys could be considered offensive juggernauts.
1: Now, if you can believe it, the Buccaneers who are without all of their top receiving options, they're going to be throwing to Russell Gage. And uh, as you mentioned, Cole Beasley, uh, Scotty Miller, maybe Julio, if he can come back, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking maybe not. All right. They really struggle to run the ball. They actually rank dead last in the league in PFF rushing grade. Uh, They have not found a lot of success trying to move the ball on the ground. Leonard Fournette has 192 yards um, and zero touchdowns. They actually have zero rushing touchdowns so far this year. Right. So if if the Buccaneers really shift their game plan around – and focus on making their rushing attack more successful. Um, you know, obviously the Green Bay is probably the team to try and move the ball on uh on the ground right now. So far, they have not found any success at all uh on the ground.
0: Well, look, the the flip side is this. We know Leonard Fournette uh has been effective against the Packers in the past with Tampa Bay. He's still averaging 4.3 yards per rush. So he's doing pretty well in that category. And, you know, stopping Fournette in this situation and in this game, especially the way the Packers couldn't stop the Bears from running the football at all last week, even when they mm-hmm. knew Chicago couldn't pass the ball. Right. I think stopping Fournette is going to be huge. It's going to be critical for the Packers. In this game and keep in mind behind Fournette, Nobody has more than eight carries in for the Buccaneers so far this year.
1: And, and I, you know, another way that you could uh, rephrase that is stopping the Buccaneers offensive line. I think this mm-hmm. is the big problem you saw against. Chicago. Chicago does not have a good offensive line, but they were able to push around the Packers' defensive line with ease. I mean, it really it it wasn't uh, for for a lot of um, a lot of the time when they were trying to run the ball, it just wasn't a close matchup. It was the the Bears' uh, run blocking offensive line just dominating the Packers' D line kind of all day, and that was a a big concern for me and something I've been kind of stressed about all week. Uh, since the game is just, yes, the Packers looked really good um, uh, against the Bears. But there were some there were some issues that I saw that didn't feel like one game problems to me. You know, I I think back to a year ago after the Saints loss in week one. And everybody was despairing about how terrible they thought the defense looked. And I came on this podcast, Gil, and you'll recall that I kind of just said everybody needs to calm down. I said, this is just one of those games. It's one of those Packers games, and everybody knows exactly what I mean when I say <laughs> that because we've seen it too often. But I said there, there were things um, that happened in that game, guys being tired, guys being out of position, um, that uh, really contributed to the Saints running up the score on them. But if you looked at the fundamentals, their tackling, um, especially I was really – um, comforted by what I thought could come from the defense on the course of the year, looking at the way that our guys were just getting pushed around and manhandled uh, by the uh, Chicago bears and Minnesota Vikings run blocking offensive lines, man, this looks like the 2020 Packers defense uh, more than the 2021 Packers defense. And then looking at, at uh, tackling overall, This concerned me a lot that there's been a ton of missed tackles. And actually, if you look at uh, PFF, the Packers are number 31 in the league in terms of tackling grades, their overall defensive tackling grade, a 31.2. That is atrocious. And the, the biggest thing that kind of freaks me out about it is when you look at the individual guys who are struggling to tackle, it's the guys who should be the best at it. It's, uh, you know, Devondre Campbell really struggling and tackling. That was the thing that made him so special last year was he was an automatic. Every single time he was going to bring the ball carrier down, you just didn't even worry about it. Right. Uh, Preston Smith, another guy who's really struggling to tackle. Well, TJ Slayton, I mean, come on, big guy like that. This should be his bread and butter is if, if a guy gets near him, he should just sit on him. Right. Really struggling. Oh, uh, obviously, okay, the safety is for heaven.
0: Quay Walker is struggling with his angles and with his tackling. He is not taking the proper angle. And look, part of that is that he's probably still not 100% confident in where he needs to be on any given play as he adjusts to life in the NFL as compared to the University of Georgia. And I think that will improve, but he has been and, – and I I suspect – and I've watched these games with the coaches film a couple of times that Devondre Campbell may be off on his tackling in part, because he may be trying to cover Mm. for Quay Walker.
1: Well, that could be, I I have seen some things that um, have me really encouraged for Quay, but you're right. He does have a missed tackle. Um, So certainly not blameless there. Uh, Another guy that I think maybe needs to be held to task. Jaron Reed, who. I was never really that high on uh, in the in the uh, offseason when we were when we acquired him because I don't think he's ever been historically a very good uh, defensive player is kind of still being who he's been, except that 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 tackling has, I think, uh, gone down a little bit. And I'm, I'm seeing him get pushed around. I kind of want to see more Dean Lowry and less Jaron Reed. I'm, I'm really not excited about what we've seen out of Jaron Reed so far. I think right now. The Packers' defensive line is a bit of a liability in run defense. Their pass rush is pretty good. Uh, obviously, we can't, you know, we should, we we won't get into uh, the depth there because it's it's all your top guys and then nobody else. But when it comes to stopping the pass, the Packers' D line uh, overall, if you look at the uh, outside linebackers and the defensive tackles, they're all doing a pretty good job putting consistent pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Rashawn and Preston together have been absolutely lethal, but in run defense, uh, this is really not a good unit right now based on what they've done through the first two weeks. They need to clean this up because teams are going to really start making them pay. And I think that that probably will happen as soon as this week. If these guys don't step it up because Tampa is absolutely the team to take advantage of you here.
0: No question about it. And that's why the groin injury to Kenny Clark mm-hmm. has me very concerned. Of all the weeks to have Kenny Clark be compromised or, or limited because of an injury, you know, he, he is still the backbone of the defensive line. He is the best player by far right now on that defensive line. And if his groin prevents him From being able to hold at the point of attack, that could be very costly to the Packers in the run defense. And I've been disappointed uh, in, even though he doesn't get a lot of reps per se, TJ Slate and I expected him to be able to be stronger against the run than he's been. And he's getting blown off the ball at the line of scrimmage. It's not that he's he's alone. a
1: disappointment, yeah.
0: Yeah, but I've been disappointed in what he's done against the run thus far through two games.
1: Uh off the top of your head, who do you think so far have been the five worst players on defense through two weeks?
0: Uh you know, five two worst of players. Easy. I would go with uh I would go with Amos, mm-hmm. Savage. Yes, uh Slayton Yes and oh boy oh boy oh boy uh one of these
1: guys is not a starter um actually neither of them are
0: starters okay
1: uh however one of them absolutely 1000 percent needs to be dependable enough to rotate out yeah uh
0: kingsley Igbaré. nope nope okay uh you're, you're
1: thinking you're thinking along, along the right lines though
0: Okay, well, then it's got to be
1: Garvin. It is Garvin. The, yeah. the worst player on the defense so far has been Garvin.
0: Well, neither n- none of the backup edge rushers have had any impact at all. And, you know, I wrote about this uh, for Cheesehead TV on Thursday. The concern is you're getting great pass rushing production right now from both Gary and Preston Smith, and you're getting good pressure consistently right now from Kenny Clark. But if those guys are going to have to play 85 percent of defensive snaps, will they wear down? Will they get hurt? Will they still be at the top of their game in November, December and hopefully January or February when we really need the most?
1: Do you feel like uh, we called for the Packers to sign a veteran edge rusher a lot this preseason? We did. OK, at this point, do you think that it's like mandatory they have to go
0: do it? Yeah, I uh, I think it would be a wise mandatory. Yeah, I think they should. I think it would be very wise of them to do that.
1: Yeah. So um, you brought up uh, Kingsley and Nagbar, and a fun little interesting tidbit about him. And it's a absolutely a tiny sample size. He's he's played 14 snaps total on defense. So right, almost nothing we can glean from this. But it's still fun. He's the only player on the Packers entire defensive roster who has a good run defense grade. Number (laughs) two is Rashawn Gary. And he just has a 64.2 Kingsley is up at a 72.9. And again, I know it's only 14 snaps. He's only played nine of those in uh, on, on run plays. Right. But you know why that's encouraging to me because I was harping all preseason that, Look, I like Kingsley. Uh, I think he's going to develop into a good player, but right now he's only a pure pass rusher and doesn't offer anything in terms of uh, run support. So to me, it's exciting to see that, at least on the nine reps he's had so far, he's done a good job. That maybe could be a, a sign that he has uh, started to uh, build on and improve that part of his game. And if so, I think uh, I think. Bob- basically right now he's your edge rusher three because absolutely right now garvin you can't count on for anything and Tipa has not played a single defensive snap this year
0: not one and unfortunately there isn't anybody out there on this roster who comes to mind i mean i would think you would blitz either quay walker or devondre campbell before they, they
1: are getting pressure they are getting pressure without blitzing that that is
0: a thing yes but but I'm talking about if you want to rotate guys like Garvin and Inagbar in and out of, into the lineup because you can't have Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary playing 85, 90, 95% of the snaps. If you're going to rotate those guys out for some plays, you've got to have other ways and other players who are going to get to the passer. And they don't have that right now. They just don't.
1: All right, we've uh, spent, I think, an adequate amount of time talking about the uh, Packers' defense. Let's turn our attention to what this offense is going to do against the uh, Buccaneers' defense, because that is the matchup to watch here. We know that uh, the Buccaneers are going to be severely limited offensively themselves, but they'll still put up some points. The question is, can the Packers put up points? And I know that that um, I said when we were talking about the Bears game, I said that I really didn't have huge concerns about where the Packers offense is at right now. Um, and, and this game did uh, go a ways in affirming that belief. Um, I liked what we saw out of Sammy Watkins. Granted, a couple of his nice plays came on. Uh, really broken plays by uh Kyler Gordon, who had a horrible day for the Bears. Awful day, yeah, but the Bears just don't have a defense, period. And the well, not,
0: not certainly one that would compare to the Bucks,
1: no, the, the even as limited as, as they're going to be, I think the Buccaneers clearly have a better offense than the entirety of the full strength Chicago Bears. Yes, so I, I don't know, man. Look, you know, looking at uh what this Packers offense is going to do. I, I still have concerns about the Packers in pass pro uh, just doesn't seem like, like Rodgers has sufficient time to let any kind of longer plays develop. So the issue you have right there is that you can't really stretch the defense vertically because even as fast as uh, Christian Watson is, if Rodgers is only protected for 0.8 or 0.9 seconds, I mean how far can even Christian Watson get down the field uh not far enough to really stretch the opposing defense? This is a problem. um it has I, I I was encouraged by what we saw out of their usage of Christian Watson uh stretching the defense laterally last week with those jet sweeps. I think that is uh something really special and even if you don't hand the ball off to him every time he does that, if you send him in, mo- in motion every few plays, you are making uh, uh, Levante David and Devin White run sideline to sideline to go cover a guy who doesn't even have the ball. Yeah, uh, and, and 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 he's just blazing fast, it's exhausting to the opposing defense. And man, you know, if you if you can pass block for any amount of time, send Sammy Watkins or Romeo Dobbs streaking down the sideline and stretch that defense, uh, vertically as well. All right, uh. Maybe you can hit them deep or at the very least, at least you're going to open up something over the middle for Aaron Jones or Randall Cobb or,
0: um, uh, uh, Alan Lazard to hit on a crossing route. I, I think that is very important. The other thing that concerns me, and this is going to be huge. I don't want to see the Packers get away from the running game too soon. They did that in week one. And they really did that in both of the last two games in 2020 yeah. against Tampa Bay. And to me, even if you are getting stuffed early, you keep running the football to make the, the Buccaneers defense honor the play action pass. Yeah. I like the jet sweeps and the motion pre-snap that will, again, keep them on their toes. But not only do the Packers need to run the ball, I'm going out on a limb and saying that A.J. Dillon will probably be more effective in this game than Aaron Jones because trying to run wide against those very, very rangy and speedy linebackers uh, on the Tampa Bay defense is not the way to go. You're better off trying to run in between the tackles because Devin White and Levante David have such speed and the ability to cover so much ground that if you try to go wide on them, they're gonna catch you and I, I I just think it is smarter to run traps to run off tackle and between the tackles and and just keep doing that It keeps Brady off the field. it gives the offensive line help when it comes to pass protection because you keep the defense off balance and even if you're only gaining two or three yards of play initially. You can't get away from the run because that's how you lose to this team.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. And uh, Vitavea is a, a big name and an exciting player. He's struggling so far this year. Logan Hall next to him, uh, really, really uh, not playing well at all. Uh, the other guy that they have on that defensive line is uh, William Golston. Yep. Um, who's just basically just as average as they come. So you can run up the middle on these guys. Uh, That was true two years ago when we played them. Uh, A.J. Dillon found tremendous success and Matt LaFleur got away from that. And I don't we wrung our hands over it and and we're just it it was frustrating. They need to stick with that. Um, The other thing is, I think that you can do some stuff with Christian Watson, with some of your other players to. Uh, draw the attention of those linebackers away from the middle of the field where you're going to be uh, trying to pound A.J. Dillon um, between the tackles uh, because those, those guys are, you know, even in the middle of the field, those guys are the primary uh, guys to come in and clean up any of these run plays, distract them with Christian Watson. The other thing I'd like to see, what if you had Christian Watson run to the left? And Aaron Jones run to the right, or vice versa, mm-hmm. and and then make the defenders choose who they're going to go cover, and then the ball obviously goes to the other guy. I, I would like to see that.
0: Yeah, uh, all of these things just to gain that extra half second, uh, and and of hesitation on the defense, and even to run that same sort of pre snap motion and then throw. I I I think there are a lot of things you can do, but it is going to be vital for Matt LaFleur to have a good offensive game plan because I could tell you right now the way these two teams are banged up and the way the offenses have struggled more or less this year, this is going to be a low scoring game and scoring Mm, first is going to be important and, and just sort of controlling the clock I think is going to be important and the Packers have to be able to do that.
1: So the uh the buccaneers safeties are also a big concern. Antoine Winfield Jr and Mike Edwards are playing lights out. Mike Edwards in particular is uh, this is the best he's ever looked. He's never been uh, you know any kind of a super special player and he's playing like one of the best safeties in football right now. Uh of course Jamel Dean <laughs> happens to be having the best year of his career as well, which is And Packer fans sad. know
0: him only too well. <laughs>
1: So these DBs look, the fact that uh, Carlton Davis maybe isn't going to play as their CB2, uh, very encouraging there. And you're hoping, uh, you know, maybe you can find some sort of relief there. Uh, Anton Winfield Jr. also has been known to play slot corner. Um, and, you know, when they do go with more of a nickel look, the guy who's getting thrown in the field is Logan Ryan, who is a really good run defender and garbage in coverage. And I'm just sitting here kind of wishing for the first time this year that we had a uh, really lethal receiving threat to, to go try and uh, find any of these mismatches here. I think this is a little bit of a match made in hell when you have a uh, receiver receiving core that is as banged up as ours were uh, are. We got four Packers receivers, not even practicing today with an already kind of weak room. This is not ideal. It's going to be a heavy rushing day for both teams, I think. And, you know, maybe this is a game where the first team that gets to 20 points wins. I I agree this is going to be a low-scoring game. I think every possession is really going to matter. And because of that, you know exactly where we have to go when every possession matters that is the phase of the game that determines those possessions and it's the freaking special teams <laughs> and i will say they are playing better than they did last year they are still ranked second worst in the league and it pains to me to say that second worst in the league is a huge improvement from who they have been well but it's
0: still not good <laughs> yeah you know this it, there's they may be grading out second worst in the league but at least they're not giving up Huge plays against. They're not falling over themselves the way they used to, or getting in their own way. They yeah. are
1: committing penalties, and they're trying to cough up the ball. Amari Rogers recovered his well, fumble. Amari right?
0: Rogers, quite honestly, wh- I I'm almost starting to believe that he may have photos of of Bisaccia or something that are <laughs> compromising. And I say that as a joke, obviously. But why he's still returning punts and kicks? You can't tell me that they can't find somebody who will make both the fans and the coaching staff less nervous every time he goes to field a kick or a punt than Amari Rodgers. And he he had a 20-yard return last week on a punt. But other than that, he he, he had the fumble. He's indecisive still at times. And, you know, every return is an adventure and not in a good way with him.
1: I, I I remarked last week um, because he he had an opportunity where there was wide open space on the field to bring that ball back. And uh, I think Chris Collinsworth said, like, oh, boy, look at this. There's some daylight here. And then Amari Rogers, I don't know if he had uh, bricks on his feet or if he was stuck in some molasses. I've never seen a guy with a ball in his hands move that slowly. And I've seen offensive linemen carrying the ball before. So yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. It's not pretty. This is the first, this is the, the turning point right now where I'm starting to not be an Amari Rogers believer anymore. I will, I will just say I've been a defender of his a long time. This is year three for him. I'm, was it year three or year two year two year two okay he, he still needs one more we, we got to give him one more year but yeah. i i i still i am at a point right now you know the packers don't want to put him out there on the field on offense and i kind of don't blame him because it just doesn't feel like the effort is there doesn't feel like the preparation is there i don't know what he's doing because if it feels like he doesn't know the playbook feels like he doesn't know how to make decisions and he doesn't Uh, to me seemed to be in fantastic athletic shape. I just, I don't know, man. It's up to him to turn it on at some point, but I'm just not seeing it.
0: Yeah, I'm not happy with what I'm seeing so far. You know, he looked better in training camp. He took off some weight that he had added the previous year in anticipation of playing against bigger players in the NFL. And they said he looked quicker out of his cuts and more decisive and more confident but then come the regular season, he doesn't see the field on offense in the first two games, and when they're when they're this this banged
1: up on offensive weapons, yeah, yeah,
0: and you know you you may have to see him uh at wide receiver, depending on how many of these four injured players or ill players are able to take the field you you gotta see better from him than what we've seen so far. Uh, He has been a disappointment. Now, look, again, not to beat a dead horse, but if you were to ask most Packer fans and observers about Devontae Adams in his second season, you would also be hearing complaints about his lack of ability to hold on to the ball and get open and be consistent. So not that I think he's ever going to be Devontae Adams, but I'm saying that you got to give him a little more time. But so far, it's been disappointing to watch him play.
1: All right, Gil, it's time to make our picks for this week. I'm going to let you go first. Uh, Packers are one-point underdogs, and the uh, point total is set at 42.
0: Uh, where are you going with your prediction here? I hate to say this. I don't like picking against my team, but it's going to be Buck 17, Packers 14.
1: All right. Uh, I'm also picking against the Packers here. I'm uh, I'm, I'm going uh, 13-10 bucks, So... Uh, again, uh, very similar uh, that we got a four point or three point uh, uh, difference here, but we are giving the points to uh, Tampa. We're taking the under, and I guess we're picking the Packers to go one and two through the first three games of the season. Yeah, despite the fact that the Bucks are this banged up, uh, and and I'll just say I'm I'm mostly basing this off of where I still think the Packers are. Uh, limited and banged up enough. uh, And I I just don't have any confidence in this offensive line, despite the fact that a couple of these guys are playing okay. I think Yash Nyman has looked really good. I think he might be currently uh, having the best uh, performance through the first two games of the season. John Runyon's still doing a good job uh, pass blocking outside of that. I'm I, you know, it's nice to have Elton Jenkins back on the field. Uh, but I, I think
0: this is not one of the good offensive lines so far. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to put in a plug for Josh Myers as a run blocker. He has done some good things in space, getting, you know, pulling and getting downfield and getting to the second level as a pass blocker. He's had his issues at times, but as a run blocker, I like what I've seen from Josh Myers.
1: Gil, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to change this up because, um, I'm, I'm going to cast a little vote of confidence for Matt LaFleur's play calling. I'm going to give the Packers one more touchdown. I'm going to say 1713 Packers win it. And that's like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm handing the Packers one more touchdown because I am calling for a little vote of confidence in that. I think if Matt LaFleur sticks with the run game, he can find success. And, Darn it. I want to believe in my head coach enough that he's going to uh, for this game stick with the obvious choice here. Continue to hammer the ball, uh, give it to the running back who has the hot hand. I'm going to give that give that edge. Uh, I'm picking the Packers to win it. We'll see if that comes back to bite me Uh, right now. We are tied. Uh, We have three points apiece uh, through the first two weeks. So we'll see. This is this is
0: where we can separate ourselves here. Figure out who's going to win. Well, I hope you're right. I would love to be wrong on this one. But uh, unfortunately, the track record of Matt LaFleur against the Buccaneers, especially in Tampa. uh, And
1: we are talking about just two games and only one that was in Tampa. But that's true. That's true. yeah uh hey if, if you want uh want a little echo to, <laughs> to to feel like nothing has changed in the last two years uh the buccaneers are wearing their their whites again so the Packers have to wear their home uniforms in that Florida heat so we'll see man i I think that uh, I think this is one of those games despite the injuries I think that there is enough of this game that boils down to preparation and play calling that I think a loss against this depleted Tampa team should call for questions about Matt LaFleur, questions that he will need to answer. And so um like I said, I'm I'm uh I'm putting my money where my mouth is and I'm I am predicting that he will uh come in with a good game plan, uh make the necessary adjustments in game and have his guys prepared. But that would that would be a, a, a positive sign um for him to come in. Look, there have been a couple of games in the last couple of years where uh, we played foes uh, like uh, San Francisco 49ers in week three last year where we went into that game feeling depressed and feeling like, yeah, I mean, come on, are they are they going to just keep making the same mistakes they always do? And they didn't. And they cleaned mm-hmm. things up and looked good. So,
0: man, uh, I here's my concern. And yeah. I think you're right about Matt LaFleur. The problem is. Matt LaFleur can call whatever play he wants, but somebody does have the ability to change that play at the line of scrimmage. And I'm hoping that that person who will remain nameless, but has a a, a nice, no, not sure. But number 12, I am hoping will stay, you know, when it comes time for RPOs, he's not going to ignore the R part of that equation.
1: Yep. He, he talked about that on uh, Pat McAfee show this week. Uh, all eyes are going to be on that. Um, and, and you know what, to his credit, they pound the pound of the rock hard against the bears uh, on they Sunday did. night football. Maybe, maybe with the success that you saw, you uh, lean into that and and remember it and trust in and, and trust the process and say, look, stick with the plan. And then if it doesn't work, then at that point we can be mad about the plan as opposed to, uh, panic, uh, throw the ball. Come on. Hail Mary.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I- I'm hoping that, like I said, I hope you're right with that pick and uh, I think it's going to be a close game and a tight game. Uh, I'm just worried that a mistake at the wrong time is going to hurt.
1: No, that's absolutely correct. I was winding up to say that the most disciplined team is going to win this game. And I-, I think that's just another way of saying what you said. So, yeah. alrighty, Gil, let's get out of here. Uh, we'll be right back here next week to find out if we won or lost uh follow us on twitter at GilPackers and at jj lahey to stay up today on all things packers or ask us questions you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com make sure you're subscribed to packers talk on itunes google play spotify or wherever you get your podcasts big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show and thank you for listening until next time go pack go go pack go
0: you are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network.